0: We were doing primarily year in review interviews this week, but Mac, our producer, came across this story that is just too cool to pass up. This is just fascinating. Um, it's a story about, uh, well, where the Artemis Project ultimately is. You remember the Artemis Project? That's the one that eventually will return human beings to the moon. That's, that's the goal. It's, it's, I mean, we're into the first phase, I think, of five. So it's a few years down the road before this actually comes, but. The planning is already underway to make sure that once that does happen and we have humans basically living and working on the moon, think about it, you're going to have to build some stuff, right? I mean, there's nothing there right now, so you're going to need places to live, places to work, roads to get around on. So we're going to be talking about the fact that NASA is already starting to award some of the contracts and do some of the work in terms of building what I'm sure will be some very, very cool infrastructure. It's amazing. So we're going to chat with Corky Clinton, who is the Associate Director of Marshall's Science and Technology Office at NASA. Corky, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today.
1: Hey, thank you for the opportunity, and I really appreciate uh, your interest in the project. Thank you very much. It, I it think it's cool fascinating.
0: Project. I think it's just amazing to me. First of all, I mean, I don't get to talk to, to, to NASA people very often, so uh, tell us about your work. What is, what is the Marshall Space Flight Center, and what do you do there?
1: Well, the, the primary role of the Marshall Space Flight Center is to provide profu- uh, propulsion elements for human spaceflight. We, we've done that from Apollo through uh, the Space Shuttle Program and now with Artemis that, that you noted. We've just taken the first step with the successful launch of, uh, of Artemis One, and look forward to the continuing series of Artemis launches and missions uh, leading up to, as you said, the, the development of the infrastructure on the Moon. Yeah, and so it's- that's that's the primary work at, at Marshall, but we also have a, a, a broad variety of science and technology activities that are ongoing.
0: And so we're talking about, it's five phases, right, ultimately that would lead to having human beings working on the moon?
1: I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure on the five phases. Uh, what we look at is, uh, and I've you know, seen this before in the charts, phase one and phase two. Okay. okay. Uh, phase one goes out through Artemis V. And then phase two begins, looking looking forward to establishing a sustainable presence on gotcha. the moon. Okay. Uh, when you get through things like uh, Artemis three, the the uh, first first woman and the next person of color on the surface of the moon, and then uh, Artemis four, and throughout this time we're building up Gateway. We're starting to put more elements on the surface of the moon, like rovers, and looking farther out, uh, deployable habitats where the astronauts can spend. Uh, a couple of weeks working.
0: Now, when you, when you think about it, you know, if you don't put a lot of thought into it, it's like, oh, okay, just build some stuff. No, it, it, I mean, it's a massive undertaking, right? I mean, you need materials, and uh, would it be fair to say there's some technology that needs to be invented still in order to make this happen? Like, how do you go about even planning out what kind of infrastructure is needed and how to get
1: it there? It, yeah, that's a great question, and when we started this project, that was one of the first things that, that our partner, ICON, undertook. Uh, they commissioned a couple of studies on what a lunar base might look like and, and what sort of infrastructure elements that you would need. And here I'm talking about construction specifically. I'll get into the other capabilities in just a second. Uh, but those um, those initial architectural concepts that were developed by the Biarca Ingalls Group and also space exploration architecture uh, helped inform engineering decisions on what the capabilities of the construction system needed to be. Now, based on that, you know, we understand what we have to build in order to be able to build things on the surface of the moon. But in terms of, you know, technology development, how do you do it? We're right in the middle of that right now, looking at the different processes that we might be able to be able to use the the lunar regolith as it is without transporting materials from Earth, because that would be very expensive to launch uh, binder materials from the surface of the earth to bind with the regolith to make the, uh, to make the structures. Uh, so we, we're sure we would like to have landing pads, blast shields to prevent any ejecta from, from damaging the equipment or the facilities that we have there, uh, shelters, habitats, pressurized habitats where the, uh, the astronauts can live and work, and, and roads to keep the dust down. Now, beyond that, we will need to have consumables. And there are technology developments underway to be able to extract water and oxygen from the, uh, from the regolith, from the icy regolith that's in the permanently shattered craters, and also just from the oxides that are in the, the regolith itself without being in the uh, permanently shattered craters. And you need power. Sure. And there's technology development ongoing right now. In addition to solar power, which is, is prevalent, and also nuclear fission surface power to provide lots of power.
0: Now, when you're starting to work on something like this, obviously uh, testing it is, is is a difficult endeavor because you're not on the moon, um, or Mars, ultimately where this might lead, but you've sort of recreated those kinds of situations here on Earth so you can do those kinds of tests, right?
1: We're doing the best we can. Yeah, um, yeah. Right now, we can't put all of those three key elements together, and those are temperature extremes, the vacuum, and microgravity, uh, the vacuum environment. So what we can do, and, and we're testing in an upcoming uh, launch from Blue Origin, it is a, a lunar gravity-specific flight, and you get about two and a half minutes of lunar gravity. Uh, we're understanding how the regolith can, can flow because we've learned from putting together the simulants, which try to do the best that they possibly can to recreate uh, geotechnical and geochemical properties of the regolith. Uh, We can't do it exactly right, and we've seen that when you would simply put Apollo regolith in a funnel and then put the simulant in a funnel. The simulant flows right through, but the Apollo regolith doesn't. So we need to understand how the, the best guess that we can, and we're even testing some Apollo simulant, how that flows and mixes so we'll be able to use that knowledge when we have to deposit the regolith and make the regolith flow for our building materials on the surface of the moon. For the vacuum and the temperature extremes, we have large thermal vacuum chambers that we'll be testing not only our robot arm, which will be the first mission, a proof-of-concept material deposition system, uh, but also that material deposition system in the cold and in the vacuum and in the heat. So we, we can do those two, and then we can do the, the flowing of the regolith for what we need to understand there, and we can combine those two results to the best of our knowledge. Right. Uh, but that's why it's so important to do this first test on the surface of the moon, and that's to make sure that the analogs that we have here on Earth, which is the simulant and also simulating the lunar environment, are actually good analogs for operation of this equipment on the surface of the moon.
0: It is fascinating stuff you're working on, Corky. I mean, it's hard to even comprehend some of the problems that you must face every day, but I really appreciate you joining us and giving us a little insight as to what it's like. Thanks so much.
1: Hey, I'm thrilled to do this, and thank you so much for your interest in our project. You love bet. to do it again sometime. Absolutely, we will.
0: Thank you, sir. That is Corky Clinton, who is the Associate Director of Marshall Science and Technology Office with NASA. And... Um, it's, a, it's a fascinating. I mean, those kind of problems that they have to solve, right? Where you've got, okay, we know what we need to do. We need to build this and this and this and this and this. Okay. How do we do it? And then the problem starts. So they're, they're talking about building, you know, 3D printers to get this done. They've recreated the lunar environment as best they can. They've, you know, recreated the Martian environment as best they can. But like he said, you can never actually know until you start to try and deploy some of this technology on the surface of the moon and, that's probably, you know, in terms of how successful this mission ultimately is going to be, um, that is probably just as big as getting people to the moon. Once you get them there, you've got to have the infrastructure to support them, and then the work is ongoing to keep them there, and then the goal ultimately is to translate all of that to humans on Mars. So, I mean, it's amazing stuff. It really and truly is.